we go. And then just gotta sync this. One, two, three. One, two, three. Perfect. All right. <clears throat> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Uncommon Podcast. We are on season two, episode number six, with my boy Alex Liedom. And I'm really excited for this one. Uh, it's been a little bit of a long time coming. Um, Alex and I have been following each other on Instagram for a while now. And uh, just recently, he's been making some really cool moves. Um, and so I don't want to say too, too much. I'm going to let him introduce himself and we're going to jump right into this one. But I think you guys are going to love it. So I'll hand it over to Alex and he's going to talk a little bit about what he does and um, how he got into this crazy, crazy lifestyle. How's it going, Alex? It's going well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I'm Alex Leadum. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Leadum Images, L-E-E-D-O-M Images. Uh, I'm a portrait photographer here in Los Angeles. I work for the High Rise Media Co., which is an advertising agency that specializes in the cannabis and CBD markets. Awesome. That was perfect. That was a beautiful intro. I love it. Um, so let's jump right into it, man. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about what you do. So um, talk a little bit about High Rise. What is it and um, how did you kind of get involved doing it, getting involved with them? Um, well, High Rise is a lot of things for sure. Uh, I work for High Rise Media Co., which again is an advertising agency. We work in the cannabis and CBD fields mostly. Awesome. We, we do a lot of things. We do content creation, graphic design, brand development, social media management. Uh, I personally, um, I work on the creative team. I am the head portrait photographer. Nice. So I coordinate with the models. I do all the lifestyle portraits for uh, the different brands that we have as clients. I uh, do location scouting, talent scouting. Um, those are my main responsibilities here at High Rise. A couple of the things that I do, I do uh, event coverage for when we go about or like in the canvas industry, there's a lot of mixers, probably two or three times a week. So I'll do event coverage for that when we go. I do a little bit of graphic design. I assist the video team with whatever their needs are and uh, for our YouTube channel. And then um, also I'm going to be assisting here on our podcast here soon. So everybody check that out. Oh, yeah. The Hell yeah. Rise podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So we go got check some that big out. things in plan for that. Uh, which is actually how I linked up with the High Rise team a couple of years ago. I just reached out through their podcast, submitted a couple of questions, and then, yeah, through a couple of turn of events, I ended up out here in Los Angeles. That's awesome, man. That's uh, that, that's crazy. So High Rise is essentially like a huge media company um, that also just sells and focuses on the cannabis industry. I love it. Um, so let's talk a little bit about where you're originally from. Um, cause I know there's a couple cool stories there, but, um, I also just love to highlight the contrast of, uh, your life this last year and, and moving from, uh, Virginia, is it from? Um, you're breaking up there a little bit. Oh, but I'm from Virginia, Virginia beach. Yeah. Prefer Perfect. Yeah. So, um, talk a little bit about what it was like in Virginia, uh, and compared to LA and what you're doing right now, man. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I spent 26 years there, born and raised. Uh, it's a 
it's a pretty big like beach city on the east coast uh i definitely considered it a big city before i moved to los angeles oh sweet it was uh, definitely a big change moving out here me yeah. and my buddy shout out to jake hey. we made the trek in like four days packed up my whole life and just moved out here to take pictures of weed shit mostly <laughs> i love it i love it man um yeah so were you doing uh, any cannabis photography when you were in Virginia, um, or were you just mostly focusing on like portrait photography and stuff like that? Well, that's a really interesting question. So obviously, I'm living here in Los Angeles, where it's you know, recreationally illegal, but right. in Virginia, it's completely illegal. Damn, even yeah, like medically and stuff. Oh, completely. Wow. I mean, no type of possession is allowed at all. Shit. And uh, so, but what I was involved in is I was involved in last art scene which is kind of like a sub niche of the cannabis industry in itself. And particularly like uh, high end heady glass art. And oh. that's a big thing of uh, how I started taking pictures. I would just take my camera to these glass blowing demos and started taking portraits of the glass artists. Shout out to all the Virginia glass artists that helped me out in those first couple of years. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I kind of formed my place in that community over a couple of years and was just going out to events and taking pictures and that was kind of my way into like the underground cannabis community in Virginia. Yeah. And that was definitely recognized by my bosses here. And wow. that in itself kind of took me to a couple of places. I was able to go to like champs trade show and do video work and, you know, go to some really high end glass artist shops, you know, getting these like studio times that are real private with these glass artists. So, Damn. You know, that, so I wasn't per se in the cannabis community out there because there's not much of one, but I definitely right. was in the counterculture atmosphere out there. That's super smart to get involved with, uh, like the whole glass blowing side and stuff like that too. Cause I mean, it's technically legal, but I mean, like I'm sure people are using those glasses for more than just, more than just tobacco, my man. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting because even the glass scene in Virginia, you know, they're messed with by the cops. You know, the artists have to be careful. The shops really? have to be careful. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah, we have prohibited words in Virginia. You can't say words that rhyme with gong. Really? Headshot. Oh, <laughs> yeah, whoa. they have signs, signs everywhere that says that. So it's, you know, it's still even in its own. It's a kind of an underground thing. So, but yeah, again, shout out to all the Virginia glass heads because... I probably wouldn't be here taking portraits if it wasn't for those dudes letting me in the scene and, you know, welcoming me and really letting me know they were appreciative of me coming out. Yeah, man, that's that's incredible. That's super cool because uh, it's definitely one thing to be like underground and, and kind of subculture, but for it to be so regulated where they can't even say the word bong is insane. Like, wow, I didn't even realize it was that strict over there. Holy crap. So Yeah, yeah it's, it's pretty crazy. So what's uh what's the lifestyle change been like going from a place that's so strict to now living in LA where everything is legal and like there's no real laws around? Well, obviously it's recreational and stuff like that, but there's there's no real restrictions on it. Cool. Well, it's definitely been a big change. I mean, just to <laughs> preface, I've been in LA for two months now, just over two months. Sweet. And uh, I mean, back home again, it's completely illegal. Yeah. So, you know, you definitely have to be careful, but out here, I mean, really just have to be just as careful because, you know, the cops out here will try to get you for a DUI or an open container if you just have a sack in your car. Like, 
you know, it's still, my mindset is pretty much the same. Like, it's cool. Like I can go into shops and like buy my weed now, but like, it's still not like, you know, coolest thing in the world, just driving around with weed. I still have the same, you know, cautions as I did back home. Definitely. Oh, that's, that's good, man. That's, I think that's like a smart way to play it. Too many people yeah, just but like, I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah, go for good it. Having, you know, the strains available and like yeah. medical advice. Because really, if you were to ask me back home, I wouldn't have really told you that there's much of a difference in sativa and indicas. And I wouldn't have told you that I prefer, you know, this type of ingestion or, you know, I, that I like eating edibles at this time, like whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I just didn't know any of that information back home. And being out here now, I can really, you know, put the appreciation to like the medical side of it. So that's really nice. Huh. I'm and glad being able to have fresh quality nugs. Like I know we put this in our bodies like every day. We at the high rise do. So, yeah. you know, we like to have good product and be putting clean stuff in our bodies so we can pump out, you know, a crazy amount of content in 24 hours. Yeah, man, that's, uh, that makes a big difference. And it's, it's really nice that you're learning stuff uh, as well. It's not, you're not just like, oh yeah, man, I'm just getting, I'm getting whatever I can get my hands on and just smoking it up all the time. Cause it's legal. I think that's like, uh, a lot of the stigma around it is, is you have these like stoners or whatever, uh, trying to run a business. And it's, it's a lot more than that. It's almost like it's getting to the point where I think it's like a fine wine. And so people are starting to be able to distinguish, like you said, between an indica and a sativa and like the certain strains and how they even the certain strains make them feel. Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, perfect example is um, especially people that have been in the industry for years and years now. Right. I was, uh, we work with a lot of really big influencers, shout outs, wild puffs, tributaries. And uh, recently I was at someone's house and they had gotten a big order of a bunch of free weed for some brandy and whoa i was freaking out over this one that smelled really good i don't even like that strain like you can just have it you know and so like people really know it's pretty wild man that's insane uh I, <laughs> wow For, yeah i still like because up in canada it's still like super illegal like you i don't even think you can give weed out to anybody because you'd be considered like dealing at that point so like that's that's incredible, man. That's absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Fuck, dude, that's dope. Well, Just touch back what you said about the stigma. It's it's yeah. pretty wild. When I saw my friends back home, I I probably smoke less now being here in the high rise house. Oh shit. Compared to when I was back home. Really? Is are so you smoking like better strains and just less of that, or do you find that you're just like throughout the day you're only smoking because a little bit because you're so busy or you're so like focused? Uh, I'd say probably a little bit of both for sure. It's um, it's definitely having higher quality stuff and having a good mix of concentrates and bubble hash and flour. You know, I really only need to, to partake in a little bit, but there's just times where. You know, we're getting so much work done that it it doesn't even fit into the equations. We get high. Yeah. <laughs> part of our days, we'll have these quote unquote safety meetings. And we'll all be, oh, I love it. You know, hitting the six foot bong and whatnot <laughs> in the living room, doing like behind the scenes, like brand stuff for ourselves. Right. Uh, it's interesting. Yeah, you guys are playing it smart. I like it. <laughs> we gotta have those safety meetings, man. Gotta keep the team on their on their toes, baby. <laughs> for sure. Um, then that's really good. So I do want to touch a little bit more on the stigma. I have a couple questions. Um, it's kind of relating to that. Sure. Uh, but before we dive too, too much into that, um, the one question I really wanted to ask you was, um, 
would you be willing to talk a little bit about the felony that you have in Virginia and kind of um, from there we can lead into the stigma of uh, your family and friends and if they have like a big stigma around you uh, shooting cannabis and stuff like that now. Yeah, man. I don't mind talking about that at all. That's a big reason why I'm here for sure. So yeah. That's part of the story. Definitely. I'd love for you to, yeah, just dive right in, my man. Tell us the story. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I am just a free face. I just turned 27. It's my 27th birthday here in Los Angeles. Hey, happy birthday. <clears throat> Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, yeah, the, uh, marijuana and cannabis is very illegal in Virginia. And as a young boy, when I was 19, I got arrested for selling weed. Hey. And you know, I got a felony charge, and I got caught with a decent amount, about 10 ounces. Nice. And, you know, yeah, the next couple of years of my life, I was on felony probation. I wasn't allowed to leave Virginia. Um, it was a real, wow. you know, they put a stigma over me, and it kind of definitely put a label on me for a couple of years of my life. I was uh, at 19 when I got arrested. 20 when I officially started probation and uh yeah I didn't get off till I was 23 and two or three months after I got off I picked up a camera started taking pictures damn that's pretty insane man and just for yeah just for selling a little bit hey fuck yeah yeah they don't play around in Virginia that's for sure yeah holy shit um so did that do you think that kind of like well, you said that you, you, you sat or uh, after your 23rd birthday, you basically picked up a camera and went at it. Um, do you think that led to uh, you now shooting portrait cannabis and stuff like that? Do you think that was like a little bit of a catalyst towards you taking it serious or maybe uh, like more serious, I guess? Yeah, I wouldn't say that it pushed me to be in the cannabis industry. I wouldn't say that at all, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Until I linked up with the high rise, I had no desire or even like thought that I would be in the cannabis industry but it the felony definitely just made me realize that I was gonna have to make my own money and whatever I did uh, I started actually before I got arrested while I was dealing with the whole shout outs um, and you know the big part of that for me was I knew I had to kind of make something on my own and I wasn't going to be able to take this normal path that people usually take in life, which, you know, up until that point w was what I was planning on doing. And yeah. I mean, you know, things all happen for a reason because I really wouldn't want to be living that type of lifestyle. You know, this is literally what I dreamed of when I was 13 years old. <laughs> yeah. You know, just because, yeah. like, as I got older, I was turned 18, 20, you know, life kind of sets in. You want to be more realistic kind of forget about those like crazy dreams and then you know all I did was really put my head down and put in a bunch of work and didn't oh, even yeah. think about the end goal to be honest yeah it just kind of came about the network man that's awesome that's really good to hear I think so many uh even like me personally I always have those moments of doubt in in running like a media company and being like wow doing something creative and freelancing is not easy, but it's just like, is it, is it like worth it or whatever half the time? Um, and so I definitely feel that, but man, that's, that's really, that's really, I'm glad that you shared that. I think that's really powerful. Yeah, um, dude. I mean, yeah, self-doubt's a real thing as a creative. I mean, I spent years like not knowing if I really wanted it bad enough, you know, and I just, all you can do is like push that aside and like keep at it. Yeah. You I, know? Like I kind of knew that I, 
wanted to be on a creative team versus like exclusively freelance. Right. So, you know, I didn't really plan for this to happen with the high rise, but you know, I, they instilled some, you know, lessons in me just from their podcast that led me to reach out to them to try to build these relationships. Yeah. Luckily I had the resources. Like, thank God for, people that still bought weed in Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. able to buy a bunch of camera equipment, buy a bunch of plane tickets. And, you know, I came out to LA for, for the first time last August and I met the high rise guys and we did a, a couple of things together, but realistically I did a lot of work on my own. I cold called a lot of cannabis influencers and wow, that kind of led me to gaining their respect. And again, that was like not a plan. Like I was just coming to LA yeah. to hang out for my birthday and a buddy bailed on the trip. Oh, so shit. I was like, okay, I'll just take a bunch of pictures and uh, reached out to who I knew in Los Angeles, which were majority of people that I had known from high rise podcasts and stuff like that. So, wow. Yeah. You know, just got to put your head down as a creative man and like put those, you know, bad thoughts to the side and like, realize if you're, if you're putting in the time then this is probably what you want to be doing. Yeah, I think that's such an important quote. If you're putting in the time, it is going to be what you're going to be doing in the future. I think like if you're putting time into your job or if you're putting time into a creative act, either one can lead you to like really good things. Um, but it's just like what you put your time in and what you spend your time on is really like what you become in, in a sense. But man, that's insane. So you just like, so were you sitting down and like DMing these people or were you just like finding their information for the, the like hard, uh, high rise podcast and like, like you said, cold calling them and stuff like that just to see if they would do photos and stuff or like talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So shout out to my bosses here, Derek. Derek's the homie, man. He's been a mentor to me. Shout out to him. Shout out to Aaron. That's actually uh, when I say cold DM and cold call. That's kind of me quoting them on their podcast explaining oh, okay. how this happened so <laughs> yeah i mean i'll just explain more like i was a portrait photographer back home yeah for like two years before i'd come out here for the first time and half of my time spent was just hitting up different people seeing if they were willing to work like reaching out to other photographers like seeing if i could shadow you know i spent years doing that so like it really wasn't anything for me just to like reach out to these people and be like, Hey, like I'm this person, I'm coming to your city on these dates. Here's my work. Can we get up and link? And, uh, luckily, you know, shout out to, uh, trippy trees, Teresa and Allison Clark, that high couple, they welcomed me with open arms when I got here to LA the first time. And, you know, I was able to shoot, you know, the Beverly Hills sign and rooftop apartments in Hollywood and Santa Holy Monica Pier. Whoa. And, uh, you know, those people really showed me a good time and, you know, took me on some really cool experiences and I just fell in love with the city. Damn. Fell in love with the opportunities and the people and I moved out here 10 months later. Hell yeah. That's, that's so sweet. Because I think the power of damning is just still, still so real. And people just ask yeah. me like, how do you do this? Or how do you meet these people? And like, even with you, like, um, yeah, I think we started following each other, working with uh, Danny or like you followed Danny or something and followed me. And then I saw your portrait work and I was like, damn, I want to get better at portraits. So I followed you and I started looking at all your stuff. And yeah, I just like straight up DM'd you to, to get this podcast interview and stuff like that. 
And I think it's just, it's like such a powerful form of communication and people just underestimate it. But man, like it can do wonders as it obviously has done wonders for you because you put in the work for sure. But just to get that initial like foot in the door, that's amazing. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. I mean, to be honest, again, like kind of goes back to a little bit of like putting your head down and not thinking about it too much because in my mind, like it doesn't really feel like I did too much. You know what I mean? Like I just, again, like, you know, bought a plane ticket and like went to a place where I could smoke weed. And like, you know, before I came to Los Angeles, I was doing a lot of traveling to Philadelphia, Atlantic city, Las Vegas, San Francisco. So I was used to the whole travel photography lifestyle for there for about a year before, you know, I came to LA and was like, Whoa, this might be where I want to stop. Damn. Um, but, uh, I mean, a big part of that really is just the, you know, reaching out to the people and making those connections. My boss, I mean, because realistically, I'm a creative. Like, I don't like sales. That's why I'm on a creative team. So right. I don't want to be a freelancer necessarily. My boss, you know, he's the sales for our team. And sometimes I'll just hear him talk and I won't even think about it in the way he does. I think negatively about something that he thinks about positively. A good example of that is he's talking to an influencer and he'll say, you know, I'm going to pitch you to 100 brands and 11 of them are going to want you. Well, I look at that as like, oh man, like that's 89 failures. That's 89 people saying no. Right. Where he looks at it, that, that's 11 people paying you money. It's 11 people saying yes. So, I mean, a big part of it really is too, like self-awareness, like knowing your strengths and weaknesses. And as a creative, you know, it's kind of hard to like swallow your pride a little bit and be like, oh, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. But yeah. once you do those things, it really is going to propel you and what you're doing. And it's going to take, certain stress off you and it's going to take just the pressure of trying to do something that you might not be the greatest at. Very. I think that's where a lot of creatives fail, you know, not wanting to be part of a team and not wanting to collaborate and like build up. I I suppose, you know, the years leading up to this when I was doing portrait work, I was a part of a lot of portrait meetup groups and like everything I did was really collaborative. So I've been, Ever since I've been a creative, you know, I've been part of a collaborative type of environment. So right. it only really made sense for me to come to a creative team. Yeah. Speaking of that, shout out to uh, Virginia Viewfinders and Ivan, the that started that, man. Like, those dudes put me on. I mean, they provided, like, the portrait environment for me to start. So shout out to those dudes. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. I, I think that's so, that's so strong and so key is... Um, there's so many people who are creatives and like they, they're amazing photographers or amazing uh, videographers. And like you said, they just don't have that sales side to them. Like they don't want to go out and like knock on a hundred doors or like DM a hundred people or whatever it may be. Um, and that's really where you yeah, have exactly. to find the team. Like building a team, I think is so uh, key, whether you're like a part of that team or you like you, you build that up or help build that up in a way. Cause like, you can't do it by yourself, man. Like you can get started by yourself. Exactly. You can't do it by and yourself. It's a good point. Really that it's just so funny. I've heard my bosses say it for like years now, but like you have to provide value to people. And so yeah, true. if you can't provide value, you got to find a way to do that. So, you know, here at the high rise, again, I'm the main portrait photographer. I am the portrait photographer because everybody here, the company kind of lacks in that area. But they brought me on was because I was a piece of the puzzle that was missing. You know, right. I added value where they were missing it. Exactly. And uh, I think it's important to find your value as a creative, offer that to other people. That also is going to like 
will super propel you, you know, like for instance, yeah. a good example, when I'm reaching out to other portrait photographers, essentially follow them to shadow them on a shoot, yep. you know, I'll hit them up and I won't even bring up me bringing my camera, you know, I'll be like, Hey man, you know, I really love your work. Like I'm in the LA area, you know, I realize you shoot at these times, you know, I'm willing to hold lights. I'm willing to carry clothes, like I'm willing yeah. to do anything, essentially just to like see how you work. Right. And, you know, versus, hey, can I come take pictures of the same poses that you pose? And, you know, essentially just offering no value. And, yeah. You know, that's a big part of it. You have to offer value wherever you're approaching that cold DM. So true. So many people just like lack that foresight. They're, they're like, oh, well, they'll want pictures done or they'll want like video done. Like prime example, I was in this uh, photography group um, a little while ago and uh, we're all like... Keep in mind, like we're all creatives. We're all like we all either are freelancers or um, like have a lot of people in our uh, repertoire that are videographers and photographers. And this girl tried to sell me on photos, and I was like, I don't like no. Like I thought we were here just to talk and like to hang out. I didn't think we were trying to sell to each other. And that's like a weird place to sell. And like it just doesn't make sense. Like you're offering, you're adding no value. Like I, I can do the same thing you can, right? So it's, it's just, it happens, man. It fucking happens. Yeah, I've been in some uh, like Facebook uh, photography groups, and it's just people posting their mini session details, and I'm like, mm -hmm. why would you post this to a group of none of us want are gonna hire you? Yeah, maybe, but more than likely not. We're not the market you should be marketing. Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, if you could give a little advice on how, uh, you kind of find a way to add value to people, I know you talked about it a little, little bit, which is, which was, whoa, which was just saying, um, like if you're working with a photographer, you're wanting to work with a photographer, uh, don't ask to, to shoot what they're shooting, ask to, um, like shoot behind the scenes or to carry gear or to help location scout or to drive models or whichever. Um, is there any way that you would kind of, um, like hunt down some of these influencers or teams that, that you would work with? And uh, was there anything specifically um, that you gave for advice or sorry, uh, for value, if that makes sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, this is kind of, you know, where it gets hard as creative because this is more towards the business side of things. But as a creative, you know, you got to really sometimes just think in a business mindset. Again, shout out to my bosses who, instill this type of thing in me but you you have to look at it from a sense of like what's the problem like what what's a problem that you can solve that this company has right so for example um we'll get new clients we'll, we'll go to pitch clients and we'll take a look through their social media and we'll recognize what they need you know exactly what we can do better and we'll just put that full front in front of them now that's a little bit more abrasive that's more like kind of pitching to a client type of thing versus like asking for a favor. But realistically, you can do the same thing if you're reaching out to, you know, somebody to shoot with, or if you're reaching out to someone higher up that you're trying to collaborate with, you know, kind of just check out what they're doing and like, you know, where they're shooting, what they might need help with. Um, for example, again, with the example I gave a few minutes ago, you know, that guy was shooting in Malibu all the time. And I know that in Malibu, it's a long walk from wherever you're parking to the beach. So he's probably got a camera bag, a clothes bag with a model, right. maybe a, a light, a reflector. He's got a whole bunch of things that I know he's going to need to handle. 
Huh. So realistically, you just have to kind of sit down, adjust the, you know, kind of like uh, just taking the situation and really think about where you can add that value. 100%. Another really good example is, you know, if uh, you know, any photographers are listening, shout out to my boy Antoine Van. That's my dude right there. We yeah. came up as photographers together. He's killing Hell it yeah. in the Virginia car scene. Fuck yeah. He, um, he really kept like a business mindset in me too back home when I was in Virginia. And uh, I remember one time he took this local business, he screenshotted their Instagram, he took it into Photoshop, he went out, took like nine pictures of their food, I think it was like a, a restaurant or something, and Photoshopped his images into the screenshot of their social media, sent it to them, and was like, hey, you know, I shot these pictures, this is what $100 can get you and your social media feed can look like. And you know, that's really thinking like outside of the box. Like that's yeah. not, you know, something that just comes to people willy nilly. Like, let me go take a picture of these nine things and like redo their social media for them and like pitch them, you know? So really you just, you know, you got to think of like creative ways um, that are outside of the box. Cause a lot of people, the example I just gave a lot of people. So you got to kind of want to do something that people aren't doing and the next innovative thing, that's really what's going to catch a brand's eye and want to hire you as a photographer or as any type of creative, really. 100%. Yeah, that's a really good example, man. That's insane. I like that work ethic, though. It's just reverse engineering what somebody else needs, which is not easy to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, again, that's like providing value, really, just because, yeah. you know, with the cold call, again, kind of goes back to what my boss was saying, that influencer, 11 pitches or 100 pitches, only 11 will hit uh, as a photographer. If you hit up a hundred small businesses in your city and 11 of them hit, you know, that's a paycheck for that month. Like that keeps you going. Like that exactly. might give you the motivation to like, you know, build your website out and really keep it going. Like that, yeah. those hundred DMs could change your whole life. Yeah. That's very true, man. That's very, very true. It's you're a DM away from the, like the lifestyle and the work of your dreams. Like <laughs> that's exactly Absolutely. what happened to you, yeah. man. Absolutely. Like there was tons of one instances that happened for me that if had went a little bit different, I wouldn't be here. So shout out to Craig. Shout out to Craig for bailing on our trip last summer, man. He's <laughs> yeah, been Craig. The biggest favorite of my life. Guys. Hey. Out of boy. That's what I like to hear, man. I love it. <laughs> hey man, like you said, everything happens for a reason. So that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Sure. <laughs> um, all right, man. Let's uh let's talk a little bit about the stigma and then we can kind of wrap it up. Yeah. Um that's uh I'm excited to talk about that. Yeah, so I just wanted um yeah, I would love to get your uh, thoughts on the stigma of you uh being a full time cannabis photographer now. Um and coming from Virginia, which is it's so illegal and like I'm sure a lot of your friends and maybe not your friends but your family and people that you know there uh, definitely have some stigma about it so talk a little bit about that man talk about the the contrast yeah yeah i mean it's so crazy it's crazy even just to say it out loud that like i'm a cannabis photographer yeah man um, it's weird for me too <laughs> yeah i mean that might be a little misleading just to let you know i mean i do uh, lifestyle portraits for you know more specifically True. my day is really i shoot you know the models with a lot of it is cannabis a lot of it is CBD. A lot of we shoot a lot of pre rolls. A lot of vape. So it's all cannabis products. But I'm not just shooting like, you know, gardens and whatnot every day. It's a lot, yeah. of, it's a lot of different things in the cannabis industry. The cannabis industry is a huge, huge uh, field for sure. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, the stigma really. I mean, shout 
everybody back in Virginia. I come from Virginia Beach. It's a pretty progressive place, it's a pretty diverse place. Yeah. Um, it's actually kind of shocking the amount of people here that don't smoke weed because you don't find a lot of people back home that don't smoke weed. Wow. They're in the military. <laughs> so. Whoa. That's I cool. Mean, yeah. I want to say there's really no stigma. I mean, all my friends, family, you know, they knew how much of you know pothead I was. And I mean, I've been smoking for 14 years now, uh, off and on, I guess, because of legal reasons. Yeah. But for 14 years. And uh, so... I feel like the photography thing was more of a surprise for everybody because prior huh. to that I was doing clothing, but I wasn't really involved in the creative side of it. I was more the business side of the company. Oh yeah. So when I picked up the camera, everybody was kind of surprised and I started shooting portraits and everybody kind of got more surprised. And was yeah. like, oh man, these are really good. Like you're shooting with all these, you know, cool models, like, whoa. And then I started shooting some stuff for the high rise. They would send me clothes and stuff at home and people kind of started like buzzing that I was working with like cannabis companies. And, uh, yeah. So when I got the job offer, you know, everybody was kind of like, Oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, yeah, I'm kind of working pretty hard for this. Um, I mean, again, shout out to, you know, my parents and my sister and my brother-in-law, we're all, we all burned down. So, I mean, once I turned 18, it was just, you know, essentially, like everybody gathered around for beer. Normal families, we just smoke a lot of weed. Damn. So that's cool. Um, there wasn't really much of a stigma to break back home. Right. Everybody was like super stoked for me. Even like oh, top yeah. friends that I had. Like, <laughs> that's sick. Super stoked. You know, before this and prior, I mean, again, I was in an illegal state. Like I really didn't put it on social media. Yeah. Like I didn't put it on Instagram. I didn't put it on my Facebook. Like I didn't do anything. And I got the job offer, we're, we're in August right now, I got the job offer for the full time in January, but I was still in school. When I was back home, I was working at Jimmy John's, I was school full time and doing photography on the side. And so um, I had another semester of school and it was January, I had the spring semester already paid for. Right. So, you know, I told the guys that I had to go home for a few months and just get everything ready. And finish up that semester and when I went home I didn't even tell people to start like I didn't know what to say I didn't know how to tell people I didn't yeah. know how to tell people like outside of my immediate friends and family I had no idea how to bring it up in casual conversation yeah that's not but an easy thing as the months you know went and probably like two months before it's funny actually on uh, on 420 April 20th <laughs> is when I officially announced on all my social media that I had the full-time job offer high rise and I was going to be moving in the summer. Prior to that, I just kind of hit at it a bunch, but that was when I really started to tell people. And, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. like even the people not in, you know, there aren't major potheads back home, like people in the photography world were super excited for me. I mean, to be able awesome. to call myself a working photographer and to be able to, primarily focus on this is such a blessing and yeah. everybody was just super, super stoked for me. Man, that's awesome to hear. That's, that, that is really good to hear. Cause like in Canada, it's, it's, it's much the opposite. Like there's, it, there's still so much stigma around it and the farther West you go, the less stigma there is, but man, mm -hmm. that's awesome to hear that you had that support going right into it and that, uh, it, you didn't have to kind of climb yeah. up that hill. Cause that's, that's one yeah, that I feel yeah, like yeah. a lot of people have to do. 
yeah, dude, I mean, I couldn't even, you know, it's such a blessing to have my family's blessing on this. You know, realistically, I don't think it would have been as easy if like my dad hadn't told me he was proud of me, you know, like my mom Shit. wasn't, you That's know, wicked. just worried about, you know, me being safe versus like, oh, he's going to shoot weed. Like, I don't really, I don't know if I could have uh, dove headfirst into that. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the stigma, I mean, Virginia is definitely, and I mean, the stigma I'd say is really changing, you know, it's, uh, it's hard to get laws passed and whatnot, but mm. in majority of people's mind frame, they realize there's no, you know, it's not the devil's lettuce anymore. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people just associate it with alcohol at the same level. Yeah. Regulated and they're pretty good with it. Definitely. And you'd be really surprised out here, like how many people are not okay with it. Really? And in LA, you talking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Southern California, I'd say. Whoa. And realistically, that's just because of how in, it, in your face it is here. Oh, okay. You know, like majority of billboards you see are cannabis billboards. And, you know, a lot of the pot shops are really dark and grungy still. Yeah. And there's still people from the East Coast calling them pot shops me yeah <laughs> Sorry, the marijuana dispensaries I marijuana marijuana like marijuana yeah it's the good one cannabis it's all the cannabis dispensaries and shit you know a lot of people are just real white collar out here it's a lot a lot of money a lot of money in southern california and they're not stoked to you know be smelling your doobie while they're walking their dog yeah huh that's really interesting especially for it to be in like such a legal place and for people to be so against mm -hmm. it damn that's it's definitely interesting. interesting. Hella weird. Hella weird to me. Um, yeah. So that was that was kind of going to be my next question too. Is there uh, is there stigma or stigma in LA still? But obviously there still is if it's if it's in your face a lot and all all up on you. So yeah, man, that's crazy. Um, oh yeah. I mean, the whole cannabis like just the whole space here right now is just so much more complex than I even knew about coming from an illegal state. Right. I mean, right now we have a prop. Uh, 215 we have prop 64 see i don't even know we have prop 64 which is recreational okay but in that it has really taken away pretty much like the rights to the consumer essentially we can't see our product anymore before we buy it we can't you know wow pick out which nugs we want there's just a lot less freedom now and i've just been told yeah. that things were a lot better during prop 64 and then on top of that you know we still have what's you know, what's considered the gray market shops, which oh. are shops that were per previously legal that are not under current licensing. Shit. And uh, so, I mean, you have, you know, that whole stigma in that area. And you have what people refer to as sessions, which are medical, you know, essentially mixers with a bunch of vendors. And, you know, so there's a lot of different ways to get your weed here. There's a lot of different ways to be involved in the cannabis industry you can smoke weed and get it delivered just like you get your pizza and have <laughs> absolutely nothing to do with the cannabis industry and that's a majority of you know people that smoke cannabis you know do here in california huh. um so it's just it's interesting to really explore the cannabis industry and really see the different avenues little niches that there are it's pretty interesting yeah that's super cool man because i'm sure there's subcultures on subcultures now with it being so much more openly accepted. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, it's wild what, uh, 
what is and is not illegal because you know you can just go to you know a painting event and they can just be selling like weed or you know oils like on a table on the side you know they <laughs> essentially here in california any company can vend at it you know and they're paying to be able to sell their product there so you can just go to you know for instance again i'm in the heavy glass world yeah you know back home you don't you try not to go to like the shops with product and whatnot because like right. you don't want to make it hot for the shop well here you know they're just smoking in the shops and huh. you know these high-end hash rosin you know extractors shout out to those dudes um that are making you know pretty much god's work when it comes to hash rosin <laughs> and you know they're able to sell it at a cheaper price than people can get at dispensaries you know at these head shops and it's just like this would not fly in Virginia. Yeah. Holy fuck, man. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a, see, that's a thing that's so underground. It's really only in the heady community that none of my coworkers or bosses knew anything about it. They had no idea that these shops existed or that it's like, you know, this world essentially of high end, you know, cannabis, uh, concentrates existed, you know, where you're paying, you know, a hundred, $120 for a gram. 220 U hash rod. Damn. It's pretty wild for sure. Yeah, that is really wild, man. Does it kind of feel like the Wild West out there with like the cannabis and the way it is right now with like how early it is into the industry? <clears throat> um, you know, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Because I'm fresh out here. That's yeah. still pretty crazy to me. Just like, you know, shout out to anybody leaving, living in a state, man. That shit's hard out there. It, it definitely, it gets better. I promise. It's um, better. So just coming out here and realizing like the amount of people that use delivery services versus like going to a shop and seeing their weed before they get it. Yeah. Like that's, that's insane to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I never, it's just like Yo, I feel every that. day, uh, every day I'm just more and more surprised and it kind of feels like the wild west. I'm like, no shit. Yeah. You can really do that here. Yeah, people man. It's like, yeah, it's fine, dude. Like, no, there's no problem with that. Yeah, well, when you're just like, holy shit. Yeah, dude, when you were telling me uh, when we first chatted and you were like, yeah, there's basically no uh, like laws around um, advertising it and stuff. Because like I was saying in Canada, like you can't even put um, like alcohol to your lips like that's against the advertising um, licensing and stuff like this. And so it's against regulations. Whereas like you can't even so rough for us, man, you can't even for like all the cannabis stuff. You can't even show anything related to cannabis. And like, I think I don't know how strict it is here, but like I have seen zero companies show anything related to smoking or like just even show people like holding a joint. Like, I guess it's funny that you mentioned that because I've been checking out Seth Rogen's weed line recently. Yeah. Yeah. And even his social media content doesn't have weed on it. None of the packaging has weed. Right. Have any weed references? Nothing. It's all super clean. Yeah. Super clean cut. It's like it's almost like you're selling candy, not weed. It's insane. Like, like I'm like some kids. I'm sure would get confused if you put like this the packaging of weed right beside like a chocolate bar. Because I get confused sometimes. Like the way they're even packaged and stuff like that, you would think it's just a normal chocolate bar, which I think is more dangerous. (laughs) But the only difference is they have that little cannabis leaf in the corner with like a big red stop sign behind it. Wow. That's funny you mentioned that. We actually have laws against that now. Really? Where the companies have to, they can't have any type of candy references, anything that can be, and this isn't for us, as an advertising, we don't have any type of regulations for like, 
right. the amount of product that we get or like what we do with the product afterwards. There's no type of like anybody checking in on us. Right. But for our clients, their packaging, there's a lot of regulations for the packaging. So they can't have things like that would pertain to kids essentially that they think are marketed to children. Yeah. So no like wow. extravagant colors and like a bunch of candy and like Shit. stuff like that. It has to be very distinguishable that it's a cannabis product. Now, wow. sometimes there's like, you know, bright colors and like crazy designs and shit, but it'll be like, you know, weed bar, you know, 150 milligrams of cannabis oil, like, yeah. you know, not for children, like there's hella <laughs> warnings, like it's just stuff everywhere telling you not to eat this if you're not 21. Yeah. Um, but so it's funny you mentioned that because that was a big thing for a while and the uh, new regulations changed that. Other new regulations just to whine a little bit about cannabis here uh, <laughs> all the edible companies had to change it so their dosing was a hundred milligrams in each packaging so i used to buy these punch bars yeah 225 milligrams and i would just take like 75 at a time yep and they're not even allowed to produce those anymore Damn. everything has to be under 100 milligrams per package holy shit so you know there's we, we combat that a lot here and as the high rise working with our clients, you know, it's really up to us to like stay on top of, you know, the new regulations and what does and doesn't fly. And yeah. that includes like what doesn't and doesn't fly for Instagram, YouTube, um, websites to not get searchable on Google, things like that. Like we keep those in mind when we're shooting content for all of our clients. So yeah. that their Instagrams don't get taken down, their YouTubes don't get don't taken, taken down. down. Yeah. So sometimes, like for instance, if we're working with a company that, let's say, is a distillate cut for vape cartridges, we might not use the vape cartridges in the shoots because sometimes that'll Instagram will take that down. So we'll huh. find other ways to like incorporate that. And obviously, if it's a vape cartridges company, like we're just going to shoot a bunch of content with vape cartridges. One or two photos gets taken down. That is what it is. That's that's Instagram for you. Yeah, that's so. Sure. You know, we kind of combat that that here, but yeah, I mean, if they told us what type of content we could make, that would be super super difficult. Yeah, man, that's that's a whole other beast in itself because it just cuts you down from like so much stuff. Yeah, man, that's insane. That's insane. All right, buddy. Um, I would love for you to give a just like one or two pieces of advice um, about being a creative and really like going after your dream job, um, whatever it may be. And then we can kind of wrap this up. It's been about a nice 45 minute episode. Um, and I definitely want to have another one with you in a few months here and just kind of check in, see how you're doing, see what's going on with you and the high rise team. Um, but for now, I would love to give you just, uh, or love for you to give a, a pieces, a, a few pieces of advice that either you've taken to heart or that your bosses may have passed down to you that you'd like to pass down to any uh, creative photographer or creative that's trying to get into the cannabis industry or just trying to follow the dreams, man. Yeah, dude. I can definitely got a few pieces. So when I was back home and I was, I was, I was shooting for like three years back home. I was yeah. doing portraits for two of those and. You know, I uh, definitely feel like I got, you know, pretty successful with that back home. And I felt like I was a photographer that was looked up to by a lot of people. So I would have a lot of people reach out and kind of ask me for that one piece of advice. And the thing that always came back to was 
Like everything that you see me do is always a result of me cold calling somebody, of me reaching out to somebody else. And if it's not that, it's one step away from that person. So every opportunity I've had has come from me reaching out to somebody or has been a result of an opportunity that person has created. So, I mean, you kind of take that how you want. You can take yeah. that as, you know, you have to get out there and call, call people like it's on you. Like, don't be lazy. Mm-hmm. Or you can really take it as, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like one DM really could change everything for you. Yeah. You know? Like you could spend years. I mean, I did. I spent years, man. Like, again, going to school full time, working at Jimmy John's, doing photography, doing just as much photography as I'm doing now, working full time at the high rise. Insane. And, you know, I got a lot of good recognition from it. And, but it would definitely wasn't paying the bills. I right. mean, I didn't know if I was going to be able to make it as a photographer. Like I was trying to, you know, essentially build my Instagram up big enough so that these brands would want to work at, work with me because I had a big enough following. And, you know, who knows if that would have happened, but I just kept sending out those DMs. Luckily, like this fell into my lap. Yeah. So, you know, if you think that something's going to, you could also take it as, think something's just going to fall in your lap you're waiting like you're going to be waiting forever man yeah, i waited for forever long time. i waited for friends to travel with that got me out here <clears throat> i waited for my creative friends to want to make content i did a whole bunch of waiting but i didn't see any type of results until i was doing it. so that's a big part of it yeah man that's uh, huge um and then probably a second piece is you know it's hard being a creative man it's hard like like everybody is a creative i don't even like myself because everybody has an iphone everyone takes pictures themselves yep um so it's really hard to distinguish if you want it bad enough you know if you if you're willing to put in that time and you know for the people that do and the people that are going to do it there's probably going to be times where you don't think you are and self-doubt's a big thing as a creative and not coming not succumbing to that is really what i think makes the difference and like people that become successful and people that you know just use their college degree and like go work in it and like think about you know what if and uh again like i'm 27 like i didn't do this when i was 18 i wasn't taking pictures when i was 16 like Right. This wasn't like a life journey and a life dream for me. I mean, I knew to be in the uh, creative fields and I was doing, you know, like video work before this, but I definitely wasn't a full-time creative. So, you know, again, like people that succumb to that self-dial, I think are really the, you know, the people that don't make it. And, oh yeah, the age thing again. Yeah, I wasn't taking pictures when I was 16. I didn't really know I wanted this until I was 23. I had no idea that, like, I wanted to be on the creative team until years later, like, right? you know, and for a long time, that kind of fucked with me, like, the fact that, you know, I was just older. I saw a lot of, like, 18-year-old photographers, like, and then I get out here, and I'm the youngest person on my creative team. Like, any type <laughs> of, like, again, that kind of goes back to the self-doubt, too. Like, that was a big thing that, like, I doubted myself was, like, I thought I had just eaten up too much time and yeah. be able to get in with these brands and fit the lifestyle. And uh, thank God I was able to, you know, just be myself. And realistically, yeah. that's how I got this. 
it's just being myself. Like I'm a big, I consume cannabis every day. I live that culture lifestyle. I yeah. was shooting, you know, heady glass before this. So, you know, I guess if we're going to look at a third piece of advice here, being self-aware is huge. the biggest thing you can do. And just being yourself and just working towards that is probably what's going to make you the happiest and get you the furthest. And I didn't do that for a long time. Like I didn't, I definitely didn't take my own advice there, but being here now, you know, there's, once you're here, you know, you can go full force hundred percent and it only feels like 10% of what you used to do. It's something you don't love. Right. Man, that's everybody's going to get there if you put in the time. That's awesome advice, man. I think you just nailed it. So like that's, especially with the self doubt, I think, um, the one thing I kind of want to say before we end it off is, uh, being 23 and being so young, it's easy to just be like, oh, wow, like people don't want to hire me because I'm young or people don't want to work with me because I have no experience or people don't want to do this or that. And then for you to be like, well, I'm 27 and I felt like I was too late to it is is like just the other end of the spectrum, man. Like we're both so far off. Like I still have a lot of time to do stuff for sure. But like the fact that I'm young isn't a hindrance or like uh, really like a benefit in any way. And the fact that like you're a little bit older isn't a hindrance or like a huge benefit either. Like there's pros and cons to both, but the fact that you're humble enough to be like, yeah, man, it doesn't really matter. I still want to do this. I think is the biggest thing, man. Like being self-aware and and wanting to change up stuff and like actually follow what really pushes you is, is key, man. hundred percent. Exactly. And I mean, those just come from the insecurities of being a creative, you know, we see other people doing it and thinking we should be doing it the same way, but, you know, uh, it's just crazy because a big part of me being like, oh, I'm older and whatnot is kind of, I didn't want to fall away from the culture and like what was yeah. going on in the world. And, but being here at the high rise really keeps, we keep up with that super well. So we're in the mix and in the events all the time, but yeah. So you being 23, man, I mean, your value, you know, definitely stands out that you're able to connect to mostly the target demographic, which is 16 to 25. And you yeah. know what the consumer wants. So I would just, push that super hard if we had you on our team that's that's what we'd be telling you. push yeah. that, that you're connected the younger demographic super hard yeah man i appreciate that uh and yeah this is this is what i'm hoping to do with this whole uncommon creative thing is just help people out who are uh really self-conscious because that seems to be one of the biggest things that creatives are really struggling with nowadays with instagram being a fairy tale and seeing so many people being able to do it it's like, yeah, anybody can do it, but like, you just, you have to have that mindset to get it right. Otherwise it's, you're going to fall off. But yeah, man, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a big part of it for me was, uh, listening to podcasts, you know, shout yeah. out to, uh, Hemi Bobby, you know, the purpose in the use shout out to drama, the, the short story long, you know, a lot of podcasts, listening to a lot of creatives tell their story. Like you just got to keep that, keep it pumping, man. Like keep it fresh in your mind. And like, keep the dream alive very true so, i mean shout out to you dudes like creating all this different content doing the podcast on top of your freelance work man i mean you're definitely hustling and that's what 2019 calls for you know yeah. trying to be a creative in 2019 like you know like we've talked recently like you know i'm just now getting used to these like 10 hour days like oh, you better crazy. be willing to put in those 10 hour days as a creative man that's like a minimal man that's that's like 10 hours is, is an easy day sometimes bro I feel that it's it's so much more work to to really like not even get ahead just to keep up, but it's so it's so worth it if you can just hold on. Yeah, to it. exactly. 
Oh man, it was just it, the stories that you get and the people get, that you get to work with and just like the creatives like yourself that you, I get to connect with and that you get to be around doing it is amazing because it just it makes your life story so much more interesting, I think. So yeah, that's I love it, man. I love it. So thank you again, Alex, for coming on. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. We're almost at an hour, which is perfect. Um, and I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a longer one, which is good. Um, again, thank cool, you. For, I appreciate you having me on, dude. Oh, man, anytime, anytime. Seriously, if you have something or if you have a piece of advice you, you really want to get on, um, I'd love to have you on the podcast uh, in the next few months here and just kind of see how you're doing and um, kind of revisit the whole self-confidence thing and, and see if it's changed at all for you and stuff like that, man. Because uh, you're, you're putting out a lot of work and um, I love the fact that you're really doing what you want and like living that dream life, man. It's important. You really oh, yeah, man. sounds good. Yeah, man. Awesome. So thank you so much for watching the Uncommon Podcast, everyone. Um, this has been episode number six with Alex. Uh, if you want to check out any of his social media, if you want to follow Alex, all of the links will be in the description below. Um, and if you're listening on our podcast, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on the YouTube channel, thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate it. And feel free to either leave us a little rating, give us a comment, and hit that subscribe button, my friends. Anything else you'd like to say, Alex? Uh, yeah, man, I just appreciate you having me on again. Shout out to uh, everybody here at the High Rise, Derek, Aaron, yeah. Fish, Jackson, Nelson, Kimmy. Um, shout out to all my homies back in Virginia, man. Read me. Hell yeah. And, uh, check me out at uh, Leadum Images, L-E-E-D-O-M Images on Instagram. And you can check out all the crazy six-foot bong rips that we take over at High Rise TV on instagram those are the entertaining ones man i love those ones <laughs> every morning i'll, I'll watch one or two it's like oh yeah there we go baby get the day yeah, started everybody love loves it. the six footers oh Here. man go bigger get go the fuck home <laughs> awesome guys thank you so much for watching and this has been episode number six peace